Well, it's a beautiful day. Yesterday it was pouring with rain and there was uh, over 500 people here in uh, Salvo and in Turku at the biggest outdoor learning uh, and environmental education conferences that has uh, been organised in Finland. But now it's quiet, the chaffinches are singing and we're having a little bit of a <laughs> walk here with Simon. Simon, yeah. Uh, yeah, can you tell who you are? Yeah, my name is Simon Beams and I'm a lecturer researcher at the University of Edinburgh. And uh, I know you're well from Canada, so what about if you were to be dropped here uh, from an airplane into this kind of landscape, it's mainly pine forest, but beside the, the sea, it could even be a lake. Uh, would you feel at home in this kind of place? Is it a familiar environment to you? Yeah, I'd say that it, in many ways it feels much more uh, familiar and friendly to me than the, the, the Scottish Highlands, for example, which... Where I feel like I've always got my guard up, you know, because <laughs> the weather's going to change and I won't be able to find shelter. But this, uh, yeah, this feels a bit more uh, nurturing. Maybe it's because I just wasn't, I didn't grow up in Scotland, but I always feel like I've got to, like, uh, I need to have my wits about me when I'm in the Highlands because I could get hurt. Not, you know, not not fall hurt, but I could, like, the, 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 the wind and the rain and so on can really take one by surprise and, yeah. Is that something that's based on then, uh, it's being in a way a bit of a foreign like, environment from your childhood, do you think? Or is it something that's just, it's just that the environment, you, you feel more maybe at home in the forest? Oh yeah, I think more at home in the forest. Growing, getting into the, uh, outdoor education in Canada was in Canadian shield country. You know, it was canoe tripping, it was, um, you know, on lakes and rocky, rocky shores and, and it uh, was... Uh, snowshoeing and ski- cross-country skiing in the winter so it it yeah this feels very very familiar yeah it sounds in a way a lot of similarities to to finish outdoor outdoor life was there something particular that made you interested in in working outdoors um yeah i mean i can trace it back to my fourth year undergraduate university program I did a physical education degree and was and and I was totally into sports and I grew up in the suburbs of Montreal and and all of my classmates were also into sports but I took an elective course you know you could take electives in whatever basketball or track and field and I took an elective in outdoor education and we went on a canoe trip for a week in uh in Tomogamy, a few hours north of Toronto, and I'll never forget just the the first the first night we arrived there, and uh, uh, I, I was just blown away and by the peace, the lack of structure, uh, the incredible kinship between people. There were just different rules and different ways of engaging with our, the place, with each other, and I just f- had these. I really was overcome by these kind of feelings of joy and peace that I'd, I don't know if I'd ever experienced them before. I just thought, well, first I wanted, I need to do this more so I can, can feel this more. And I need to figure out a way that I can feel like this when I'm back home. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I thought, okay, the, the people who are running this program, they do this for a living. Like they, they're pay, they were paid to bring us here. And if I could make other people 
feel this way and so they might live a little differently um, sort of within themselves and with each other and with the place that they're in surely that would be a noble pursuit okay yeah and that that pretty much set the set me on the, the path yeah well that's actually very uh different from what we've been talking about this afternoon which is about how to integrate outdoor learning into the curriculum uh learning different subjects and so on so now you're talking more about i mean in a way a very spiritual and maybe also mental health perspective yeah and and i think so much of it was social too um there was me feeling better about myself and my own skin maybe maybe that was something as a younger person I, you know we're all young people kind of wrestle with that uh, of course but i felt like the our the the social relations were different uh on i guess it was you know it was an expedition where the and it, we just didn't have the same societal structures whether it's when we eat who we eat with how we do that who's cooking who's doing the the tasks it was also um focused on what was needed right there in the present so right well we need to put up a shelter we need to we need to get water we need to to cook we need to clean up it was all just so immediate and there were consequences for very obvious consequences for taking certain actions or for not taking certain actions and i just that just really resonated with me like there's there's a direct something that happens directly because of something you did or don't do and that's again in, i think in contemporary life modern life in an urban context sometimes that's it's lost yeah like if you if you're at home and you burn something well like i do from time to time well i'm i just do it again but what, no that wasn't a very good example but i mean it, it it's of less consequence so, if you mess mm-hmm. up i guess where yeah if you if you burnt something that you'd cooked for your you know seven mm-hmm. other people you're away then in the wilderness there might be there might be some stronger words attached to it so mm-hmm. and could you expand a little bit more also upon the important elements in outdoor learning that if you want to have really good learning outcomes what what should you integrate um into that because i know you've done a lot of research also in your own outdoor journey programs mm-hmm. um I feel a bit, a little bit uncomfortable doing this, but I would. There's, they, there's they, a lot of the themes that are in Adventurous Learning, the book, with Mike Brown, and uh, there needs to be a certain this kind of balance between uncertainty, like where where we're not really sure where this is going, we're in new territory here, but that it's not so overwhelming that we think, oh well, I have no, I have no power here. There is still some power to shape how one navigates through this. Uh, less familiar territory so that I guess almost a yin and yang kind of thing a relationship is is important I think it needs to be needs to be real I'm really critical of outdoor experiences that are really contrived like the building the raft to me is a classic example of this is so contrived like so why would we ever need to know how to build a raft mm-hmm. unless we were marooned on a desert island or something so it needs to it, there needs to be uh, this authenticity to it and uh i think having time to uh, particularly with the for not talking about the local curricular outdoor like learning outside the classroom stuff having time away from 
the the kind of um, the, the the very constraining structures that society imposes upon our lives, whether it's you know it's you know it's schedules and um, timetables, things that have to happen at a certain time. But really, there's no reason that a certain thing happens at a, a certain time. It's, it's only because it's become habit or it's become a rule or some kind of cultural norm. But I just love the way that uh, expeditions in particular have a timelessness to them. And yeah, yeah you can kind of get lost in that. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Do you think also that, I mean, if you're talking about expeditions, it's for a longer time and then, of course, you have the opportunity to develop um, also a process and a group process that you were talking about earlier. Is that also an important aspect? Yeah, and I th- well, I think the, the group stuff that that happens. There's no question that happens to greater depth when you have more time. The way it just doesn't in a class, uh, you know, that that because uh, you can always escape. You know, you can put up with people, even on a short expedition. You can put up with people. It's like, well, I've only got to be with James for two more days. I can just, I'll just ignore him. Um, but if it's longer than that, there's some some kind of solution needs to be. Mm-hmm to be found in terms of how you're going to work together or uh, yeah so in, ter- in terms of finding some kind of group harmony so I, I yeah I, I, I just think that I really like that about the, that's one of the great things about a, a longer um, a longer trip um, yesterday you were also talking about maybe a generational shift and also the impact of uh, digitalization and screen time, screen time with uh, young people and uh, Generation Z. So mm-hmm. could you expand a little bit upon that, that maybe how outdoor educators are working outdoors with uh, the, the Generation Z or Generation Alpha? So do we have to change our, our, um, our approach and do we have to... Um, is it maybe appropriate to go outdoors with young people nowadays yeah yeah I used to think that it was my job to to um, or part of my job anyway to say to um, participants that came on came out with me no this is this is an out outdoor learning time or, and and you leave you, you leave the technology at home and this is a break from that and uh, I really did that for uh, years and years but I've rethought that and I, and I think that at this point because learners are different the world is different now we need to move with that and I, I, I've I don't I don't un- understand it but I recognize how People uh, today's young people, Generation Z, they're just so attached to these mobile devices, and that actually may be adding <laughs> a, a, quite a distraction to say, "No, I'm going to take that from you." Mm. And if and if and if we are really about giving young people power, then 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 saying, "I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm going to take this this away from you." Maybe that's that's not the best way to to start. So I think now a better questions are. So how how can we, if these mobile devices and other bits of technology are going to be a part of our our worlds, let's let's incorporate them into what we're doing, 
but let's we just need to think about it really carefully so bringing you know bringing out the iPads can't can't be the default for everything we do it's got to there might be some we need to think about when it's most appropriate to use mm. you know these device that mobile devices and and when we need we should just say now this is we're going to put them away now and this is a time for you to go and everybody's going to pick a spot here and we'll see you in half an hour and you need a break from that yeah. and then other times it's right right everybody get out your phone take a photo of something that really whatever excites you or takes your interest so I think we just need to be for everything we do as practitioners now we need to have really well thought out reasons for um, for how we how we facilitate it, how we, te- how we teach. Mm. And I remember also you were, you were talking yesterday about uh, also sometimes the use of telephones is actually, or any kind of screens, it's just it's creating a filter between the real world and, I mean, the, 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 the learning. And maybe in the same way that uh, sometimes activities are carried out that are not place-based. So in a way also that you can as equally do them inside in the classroom or in another environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the kind of classic universal activity that could happen anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, we have to maybe work with these mobile devices in a way that complements the learning and also the experience in the outdoors. But I suppose it also gives the potential for bringing some of the learning and, and continuing the process from the outdoor experience into, back into the classroom for, for later work. I agree. I think that's and that's the kind of the Deweyan concept of continuity that I was talking about yesterday, where where it's let's let's use the real world experience, the authentic experience. Let's let's incorporate the technology because that's what the kids are obsessed with. Let's let's blend it into uh, usefully into their their lives before class after class part of class it's it let's we've just got to integrate it and, and um well but again not not just full-blown acceptance like you know letting kids wander around head down in in their phones looking for pokemon but uh it, let, let's put these devices to to use so that when a time comes when they're no longer uh, our students and they're out in the real world they're they're able to ask better questions and use their phones to whatever help them be somehow. I mean, I don't, I don't know quite how, but somehow they can be more useful citizens of the world and live more flourishing lives because they have experience uh, as agents in their communities and they know how to sort of uh, harness the power of... It's what essentially is a mini computer in their hands. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a yeah great potential. Yeah. Well, you've been. Uh, I'd like to just bring a question on you. Mm. So it's yeah, first yeah. time in, in Finland and uh, been at this uh, international uh, national conference, uh, which is the amalgamation of various um, Finnish traditions of outdoor uh, learning and also environmental learning. So, what what are your main takeaways from here? The impressions that you've got of maybe what's happening in Finland, or maybe the potentials you see for. Uh, I mean, outdoor learning in Finland. Hmm. Well, we all... The media just goes on and on, certainly uh, outside of Finland, about how great the Finnish 
education system is, but I'm interested, I have been interested to see how, or to learn how it's not particularly well integrated into sort of the, the, the local learning outside the classroom. So I think there's, I think there's scope there to, to really uh, up the game if, if, if Finland wants to do it. But of course, if outdoor learning, I don't know if that, everybody's looking for the golden bullet uh, in, uh, certainly in, in Scotland to show that uh, outdoor learning can, has a, a direct uh, positive uh, impact on attainment uh, in school. Um, so yeah, I think that there, I think there's scope to, to, to drive the place responsive, cross-curricular place responsive teaching and learning, I think, from what I can see. Um, What's place responsive? So it's teaching. So it's it's kind of like with the outdoor journeys idea that uh, that all landscape has a story, and so our education, the teach, the learning that that we do, are needs to uh, be informed by that place. So mm. there is, as we're walking along here, we could well, there, there's math and geography and history and science and so on, and it. It is. We can draw that from this from this place rather than kind of traditional textbook learning. Mm. Yeah. Well, also interested to see how it looks. Felt like about eighty-five percent of the people here are women. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's quite interesting. But normally, it's in environmental education. It's uh, very much uh, women-dominated, whereas uh, adventure education. Is male dominated. It's more social work, uh, right. youth work. But uh, mm. maybe you saw the yeah. the female. Yeah, I didn't uh, get a strong sense of uh, kind of the adventure gang here. Mm, I think it was a bit lacking this year, actually. That yeah. it was a bit underrepresented, yeah. uh, both in the workshops and in the participants. Right. Uh, what about if we think about Scotland? Is there something that you know a couple of things that uh, I mean that are really you know good practice, best practice in Scotland? in terms of outdoor learning? Mm. Uh, I would say that there are some... There are pockets of excellence. Even though there's a really progressive and fantastic outdoor learning policy, it's really... Um, it's really it really varies, the, the, the kind of practice. And there are some fantastic... Um, uh, teachers around the country that are just doing amazing things um, uh, in terms of you know bringing their maths and geography and so on uh, just outdoors not to faraway places but in the school grounds there are more and more there are uh, outdoor classrooms that are on school grounds and there's there's a lot of buy-in from uh, teachers and head teachers and and parents and so on. So I think that's that's really coming along, and there, there, are, in general, but also there are uh, there are, are pockets of excellence, and there's lots of interest. You know, there's I think of Juliet Robertson's uh, blog. You know, it's got well over five thousand teachers that are, and it's an outdoor learning blog. That they're the, contributing the, the fo- to it. Follow it. Or follow it. Okay. And yeah. what, what's the address? Uh, it's, a, it's Creative Star. That's the name of her Creative organ. Star. Yeah. And uh, so it's just one example. And, and then, you know, that just... Now she has a, a monthly newsletter with just so full of fantastic ideas. And, now, and they're just more and more books about 
outdoor learning out there. So it's it's becoming the norm, and I think it like it used to be just a bunch of sort of specialists at, at university who were doing this, and then a, f- a few people uh, who were like the expert consultants, and there was sort of only you know one one book and. But now it's it's becoming much more normalized. Like, of course, you teach outdoors, and and so it's it's and and, and there's so many people um, sort of involved in the sector, and I just love the fact that I, I no longer know everybody that's mm. doing stuff because there are just so many people who are out there doing it. And so I just just I just really like that. So yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So it's good. It's uh, growing, and I think well, I think the trend also in Finland is is the growth. Yeah. So it's it's good. Yeah. Well, we had a very short journey here. In the beginning, you, uh, I think you painted a very nice picture of uh, at least a, a significant landscape for yourself in, in yeah. uh, Canada that put you on your own journey in, into the outdoors. Um, I'd like to close just by asking you about the seasons. Do you have a, a particular season that uh, you, know, you really uh, feel is your, your favorite season or, or you, you enjoy very much? And, and is there any reason for that? Yeah, autumn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel, feel like, well, to me, there's... A Particularly um, in um, in hardwood forests, you know, just the, there's the colors. I love the colors, the leaves, uh, the sounds. There's a lot more crunching of the leaves and uh, usually sort of maybe brush that's been dried over the summer. That's still, if it's early autumn, I guess. And uh, when, when you go to... S- sort of away from the city a bit into more rural areas where you might go paddling or hiking or biking or whatever. Um, there are less people around. I feel like, you know, the summer rush is over and now there's, it's the, I just, I love the early autumn. I think, okay, this is, this is when the, kind of got this place a bit more to myself. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, after the hectic uh, two days here, so now it's also peaceful and uh, I it's think the beach is it does feel like a lot of people are it might be a very quiet evening actually <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the beach and the sauna to yeah, yourself exactly yeah. <laughs> great yeah well thanks very much I'm going to read your book as well and yeah. uh, okay. well yeah hopefully uh, well good cure for insomnia if nothing else so, <laughs> so okay. but I hope you find something in there that, that resonates with your own practice yeah yeah great yeah. thanks very much yeah it's been an absolute pleasure yeah chatting it's good Helps. it's fun now uh, just chatting like this can also clarify one's own thoughts you know about yeah yeah it'd be interesting to see if uh